Welcome to PTG TV. This is your host, Antonio Hicks, a.k.a. Escaping the Matrix. In this episode of On the Couch, I welcome on my special guest, Dr. Therese Johnson, the newly elected Gwinnett County Board of Education Chair. Ms. Johnson, a Democrat, is in her second year on the board. She is the first black woman to serve as chair. Johnson holds a doctorate in education and has worked as an artist, educator, entrepreneur, well, according to her, you know, her website. So welcome on to the show, Dr. T. Thank you. If I can call you Dr. T. Oh, yeah, of course. It's an honor to be here. Thank you so much. So first... Before we get into just a regular old conversation, what got you into education? Because I commend anybody that can get out and teach anybody because my time and stint in traveling, teaching about security across this world is uh, very frustrating. So <laughs> what got you into education? Oh, let's see. What got me into education is really um, wanting to find um an opportunity for our young children to learn about multicultural education and to have experience around, you know, you know, multilingual learning. And um, I was focused on in my dissertation on the global purpose approach, which basically is sort of a methodology around teaching languages and teaching culture. And so diversity, equity, inclusion um, was sort of the center focus of, of my dissertation and ensuring that um, our children were learning about people from all over the world. And, mm-hmm. and so I um, have a passion for, 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 for that. I'm multilingual myself and um, my vision was to create a world where our children would have access to an education that included everyone and where we could really learn from one another and engage with one another. And so I really got into education around the global purpose approach. And I started a school called Global Purpose Academy. And Global Purpose Academy, of course, was dedicated to global education and, you know, we learning about different cultures and languages. So that's how I really got into education is just the love for globalism <laughs> and now, diversity. Now, mm-hmm. I had other questions to ask you, but I'm going to lead off into that, what you just said. Why do you think it is when it comes to... I'm sure you have an opinion on this. Our communities, we don't travel as much to see this world and see other other cultures. I always find it interesting. Yeah. You know, I think, um, uh, you know, uh, you know, we at my school, we took our kids to travel. I mean, they went to Belize. Our students went to Dominican Republic. Our students traveled across the U.S. I mean, we did, uh, you know, uh, trips to expose our students to um, to the world, to different cultures and different experiences. And that's so important. And I, I do find there is a gap in many communities where, um, you know, people are very comfortable in their, in their, um, you know, local area, their state, or maybe even just nationwide. But, um, you know, I think we're seeing this new wave take away COVID, right? The mm-hmm. pandemic. But we're seeing this growth around, you know, more people of color traveling outside of the U.S. and really gaining experiences um, that are international. Um, and, and, I, and I think that's a, a great thing, because when you travel, it expands your perspective and, mm-hmm. and uh, you then can actually um, 
it changes you, right? It changes you because you learn about different cultures and it takes away ignorance. It takes away, you know, some biases or stereotypes you probably had. So when you actually experience a different culture and you actually experience, you know, going to an unfamiliar, you know, place, then you gain empathy, you gain respect, you start to, you know, understand how other people live. And so the ignorance is starting to dissipate. And when ignorance dissipates, that's the key to combating hate is education. And, that, and that's why for me, the core of what I do is education. Because when you educate people, when you expose people, when you teach them about empathy, Mm-hmm. It can change the world. It can. I mean, I, I think that's um, the biggest thing that we can give to our kids. And I mean, I don't think it should just because I have a, an, I, one thing I wanted to do as I started growing the platform that I have is like reward kids is doing great in school with the trip out and kids is like on the bottom to teach them that they have something they should they should be striving towards. Because I did that with um, my ex-wife with her boyfriend's son. They live in a small town in Michigan, Saginaw, Michigan, and he never really got to see anything outside of Saginaw. Only just when he played him, he played baseball. So the only time he would see anything is if he went on like a baseball a tournament or whatever. But he never really got to see people. So I take my boys. I was taking them when they were younger. My my kids grown now. I was taking them to uh, like New York. And one last time I took them to New York because I want to go to New York City itself. I asked his dad, you know, if would he be okay if I took him? A lot of people are like, why would you do that? Because that's your ex's uh, son. But I'm like, hey, I think kids should be exposed. And I don't think kids should have, you know, no matter how parents are in their relationships, you know, kids deserve a chance. And I would never, you know, do anything against a kid. But yeah, I took him to New York and it just blew his mind away. I mean, he had never seen anything outside of his small town and he loved it. And I think that's what we need. Like you said, what we need to do to combat some of the discrimination that we have people, how they feel about different races and how other people live and see people, how they grow and how they're living outside of what you're doing in the town that you're living in. Yeah, absolutely. Now we'll say though, now (laughs) I, I, uh, I, I always talk about, you know, people, how they treat us here in the U S with some of the racism. And I'm like, you know, racism is real. But what's sad about it is when you go to other countries, it's real until they figure out you from the U.S. We as Americans, especially black Americans, don't realize how privileged we are until we go outside this country and people hear us start talking and they say, oh, y'all, y'all Americans, because I went to Portugal. Oh, my God. When I went to Portugal, no Portuguese, they look just like me and I got treated just like them <laughs> until mm-hmm. I started talking. And I was like, oh, you American. I was like, yeah, I'm American. <laughs> and from that point on. You know, everything was okay, but you know, it's a beautiful country. Nothing, nothing against, well, I do have an issue with that, but nothing <laughs> against them. It's still a, a beautiful country. Mm-hmm. It is. It is. I, um, you know, I think the experience we have as, you know, black people in America is um, certainly very, very different than, than any other place. We have a unique history. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, certainly we can also say that, you know, you know, we have, uh, the Haiti, IED, that has a different history as well, right? Mm-hmm. And so their identity and our identity is tied to our history. And um, and I think as we, uh, you know, travel around the world, we carry that with us. We carry who we are as Black Americans or African Americans, however we identify ourselves, um, or people of color, right? We carry mm-hmm. that with us 
living in America and our experiences. And, um, and when we compare how we um, engage with other people who are from another country, when we're there, um, it's, it's uh, an eye-opening experience for sure. Mm -hmm. I think for some people it could be um, an experience where they're like, well, America, I've never experienced this in America. And so, you know, they, they understand their privilege in that way, like you just explained, but then sometimes we'll have it on the other side where, you know, you go to a different place and you're not as accepted as maybe you would be in America because of the different, um, you know, again, the different privileges you have here. So, yes. That's why I love Dominican Republic. Like everybody's all afraid of Dominican Republic. I love Republic. Dominican Republic. And yes. I was like, oh my God, you know, it's the crime and stuff is down there. I was like, I, I didn't experience any of that. I was like, I got to treat it great. <laughs> I'm like, mm -hmm. it was it was beautiful for me. Mm -hmm. And I'm yes, like, I didn't yeah. do the whole, like my first time there, everybody was warning you like, oh, you need to stay on a resort. You know, you can't go outside a resort because crime is bad. I'm hard headed. I, sometimes I should listen, <laughs> but I didn't listen. And I, me and my friends, all of us went outside a resort and we had a good time. Like I didn't have yeah. any problems. I love Dominican Republic. I've been there several times and, <laughs> you know, La Calle Alma Rosa and Santo Domingo. Tu sabes, yo, lo, yo hablo español. So for me, um, it's, it's, you know, I lived in Puerto Rico. I, you know, yo fui a la Universidad de Sagrado Corazón ahí en Santurce, Puerto Rico. And uh, me, me encanta la, la, la gente Latinx and, uh, and, you know, everybody comes from different backgrounds, right? You know, people mm -hmm. don't know who I am and my experiences and that I am multilingual and, you know, Spanish is part of my background as well. I'm a black woman, of course, as I live and I breathe my life as a black woman. Um, and I'm also exposed to various uh, cultures. So, yes. Now, are you mixed? You just, you, you just decided to take up another language. Oh, no, I'm, I'm black. I mean, uh, I think many black Americans may be mixed, right? They may yeah. have, um, you know, heritage from, from uh, you know, different uh, places. And um, my grandmother on my father's side, she's Creole, which is, you know, Native American, um, uh, African and, and, uh, and French. So mm -hmm. my family, my father's side of the family, they're from Louisiana, Creole. Um, so I, I'm very much, it's a very interesting culture. The Creole culture is, um, is, is very different. I don't know people who know the Louisiana Creole culture or even Cajun culture, which is, which is similar as well. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's a little different, you know? Um, but my mother's side of the family, you know, they're from, you know, the earth, like Texas, you know, they still live on the plantation area where, um, my family decided to be sharecroppers when slavery um, um, was abolished. And so my family still lives on in this area, the same area that our ancestors lived on, that they were enslaved. And it's amazing because I don't know a lot of people my age who are as connected to that part of the history. Like uh, my family still lives on the land they worked on. Yeah, mine does too. Down okay. in um, yeah. Macon, Georgia. So I tell my yeah. boys that I was like, anybody ever ask you, you know, how is it, do you have any slaves in your family? I was like, yes, you do. And they still live on the land <laughs> that they used to work on. 
Yes, um, yes, and we yes, they yes. just got the roads paved. Oh yes, yes. We we still have the dirt roads. We have our we have our own little little cemetery for the enslaved mm-hmm. people, and um, it's 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 quite interesting. But you know, I'm always reminded of home. You know, when I visit my maternal side of the family, and um, and I travel those dirt roads, it, I, I'm reminded of the power of my people. I'm reminded of the resiliency that they had. Mm-hmm. And I um, and it grounds me to to be a person who um just understands that you can be, you know, barefoot and poor, but 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 then there could be some joy too. And to also understand that it's important for us to always seek and fight for liberation. And to me, liberation is the ultimate goal. So when we, so, so when we talk about diversity, equity, inclusion, we need to go beyond DEI and we need to look at what's next. What's next is justice. After justice is belonging. After belonging is liberation. Now, so what kind of justice are you looking for? Uh, justice. I'm looking for justice for everyone right justice is a huge thing like justice for you know economic justice educational justice um i'm looking for uh you know criminal justice right i'm looking for 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 um um people to get what was owed to them and to me justice is also reparations so in reparations, you get what is owed to you. Mm-hmm. And only in reparations can you heal and only in reparations can you be restored. And so to me, reparations is justice. So I, I, I support that and only in a space of healing in a space of restoration can you truly feel like you belong. So it's like this, if you're, someone says to you, oh, you know, come sit at this table now. You know, forget about all the wrong we did to you. Now you have a seat at the table. And you're like, but wait a minute, hold up. I got a broken leg and a broken arm. And I have, um, you know, all kinds of issues here. And you're asking me to come sit at the table. I'm going to come sit at the table, but I'm, I'm wounded. I'm going to come sit at the table and I'm worn. And I'm not the same sitting at this table with all of these people who don't have the same pain and hurt, right? The same uh, uh, strife that I had because it was caused not by me. It was caused by systemic issues, by systemic policies. It was caused by, you know, racism. It was caused by hate. It was caused by anti-blackness. It was caused by anti-Semitism. It was caused by, you know, all of these things that are not good for humanity. It was caused by people not seeing me as a human being. And so you tell me now to come sit at this table and you don't see me as a human being. And then you say that that's diversity, equity, and inclusion. I need justice. And what does justice look like? Fix my broken leg or my broken arm. Um, um, you know, uh, provide to me the services that I need so that when I go and sit at that table, I'm whole. Mm-hmm. So when you go and you sit at the table and you hold and the issues that were 
um, that, uh, that, that, uh, that held you back or anything that was an impediment to your progression, mm. when it's no longer there, when the barriers are removed, then you can truly sit at that table and then you can feel like you truly belong. So that justice work has to happen before there's belonging. Everybody's using the word belonging, 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 but they're missing something in between belonging and liberation. Mm-hmm. It's justice. And the I don't work think a of lot justice of people even, is not uh, easy. No, it's not. I don't think a lot of people understand that because I had a coworker. And uh, this is why I was told that, you know, we're like, because I'm apolog- apologetically pro-black, even as light as I am. <laughs> I'm apologetically mm-hmm. pro-black. So I had a coworker. So I, I, I'm not, I can't, I can't say where I work at, but I worked in a place that's uh, come from the Southeast region. And I've been there a little bit over 20 years. My dad retired from there after 40 plus years. And they were, I mean, racist, just terrible. And I've had experience in my, even at my age, I still had experience in myself. And I say that to say one of my coworkers where I'm at right now, I work in the lab. There's only three of us in there. And we were talking about the issues that's going on. It's like in politics, but it, it's, it goes in what we're talking about. He was saying that he didn't want to do this is vaccinations. So this is some of the stuff that you have to deal with <laughs> as a school board. Mm-hmm. He didn't want to get vaccinated because of his whole religious freedoms and stuff. Mm-hmm. So I was like, well, you know, you know, if you know, this is a company, I was like, the company got a right to do what they got to do. I'm like, they sure as hell have done what they had to do in the past before. So I was like, you know, I understand how you might feel, but if they end up letting you go, I'm like, hey, you wouldn't have a problem finding a job somewhere else. I'm like, you know, you're an engineer, you're in the lab, you can go anywhere. Mm-hmm. You know what this man told me? This man told me with a straight face. And I, I and it took everything. I had to stop. I did go off. But it took everything to keep me from going off on the mm-hmm. time. He was like, well, no, I would have a hard time finding find a place to work at. You know, they would want you before they want me. I said, excuse me? I was like, it took me 20 years to even get into this department. I was like, what are you talking about? He said, because nobody wants to hire a middle-aged white man anymore. They're all about diversity. So they want to bring in, um, you know, more black people. Mm, mm, uh, mm. Dr. T, he looked at me and said, that, I guess he didn't think that he was going to get, the, he don't know me. <laughs> he didn't, I don't think he knew he was going to get the reaction that I got. I was like, I'm, I'm sorry, what? I said, you don't understand the privilege that you have. And I said, clearly you don't. So I said, because you've probably been watching the wrong thing. I'm like, you know how much racism existed in this company that we work for and how you've been experienced this privilege that you in this department that you worked in for so long. I was like, you never had to work a hard, hard day, a day in your life compared to the things that I had to work, working my 20 years up just to get into this position. When I got people sitting around me, that's only been, that only has five years of experience, but they already sit in this department that it took again, Took me 20 plus years to get into it. And you're going to tell me just because you're a white man that you're not going to be the final job? I said, you're the cream of the crop. Mm-hmm. And I was like, there ain't nothing that you say you can't do that you won't be able to do. Yeah. All you got to do is show up. I got to come with all the credentials. I can't talk mm-hmm. a certain way. My hair can't look a certain way. I can't dress a certain way. I have all these things that can't be done. I can't look like in order for me to get into the job. Whereas you come in with some overalls on and some beat up shoes and they'll still give you the job and pay you more. I think that's the, um, that's privilege that, um, we call as termed white privilege. Mm -hmm. And, um, I think it's important for people to realize that privilege comes in many ways. You know, I went to Ivy league schools. I went to top tier schools and there's privilege in that. Right. Because you, your resume is maybe maybe looked at differently. Yeah. There's privilege with people who have maybe lighter skin 
right? There's that colorism is a part of a product of, of white supremacy. And so sometimes there's privilege around your skin color. Sometimes there's privilege around your hair type and your texture, right? Yep. Sometimes there's privilege around your height. There's privilege around your weight. There's privilege around your gender. There's privilege around, um, you know, your, you know, uh, uh, you know, how you, how your identity, and how you know, you how you live your life. And there's privilege around how, how your appearance. And so, and so, yes. So I think it's important. You hear, you hear the term pretty girl privilege, you know, and, and there are scientific studies that actually produce that uh, depict results that say that, that, you know, there is privilege around appearance. I mean, regardless of color, but then of course, color is another point of privilege and it's, and it's really unfortunate, but I always tell people, you know, and just in, in just the diversity work is that, you know, we all have some form of privilege, but it's important for us when we understand, we first have to realize that, okay, I have privilege in these areas. How can I help? How can I use my privilege to create uh, possibilities for other people who don't share the same privilege that I do, regardless of what privilege it is. What can I do as a person of privilege to be able to help in the work of justice? That's the where we are. Mm -hmm. And the work of justice is using our privilege, whatever it is, it could be financial privilege, you know, whatever it is, it's using our privilege to be able to help uh, in the movement of justice. So that then people can start healing. You can't heal if you haven't had justice. In order to heal America, in order to heal the souls of Black people, in order to heal the souls of Asian people, the souls of Latinx people, you have to ensure that they have justice. Mm-hmm. We can't be more than willing to help. A lot of people yeah. are willing to help. Right, 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 right. So we use our privilege, whatever it is, use it in the work of justice. But certainly I think in, you know, the example you shared around, you know, white people having a different experience than, than you as a black man, this certainly is, is, is very real across America and across the world. Anti-blackness is not just a notion. Anti-blackness is very real. And, um, and many of us experience it. Um, and, and, and anti-blackness is very, is, you know, we experience anti-blackness amongst people of color. You understand? Yeah. So it's really an interesting, you know, experience to be able to say, you know, that, that this is something that is global. Anti-blackness is global, just like racism. Yeah, I always find that um that interesting and stuff. Like even when we talk about privilege where like where you live at. And I tell people all the time, yes. I was like, we focus on like urban communities. I was like, I come from <laughs> rural America. And I was like, I mean, just not even talking about just black people alone. I was like, you know, Hispanic people out there suffering, white people out there suffering. I was like, they need help too. I was like, we just can't focus on urban and the city areas. I was like, we have to go out and help rural America or, you know, rural places in our, our counties. Yep. And that was one of the things that I was, um, you know, uh, I often say to people like, know who you are mm-hmm. and that includes everything that includes don't your privilege that includes you know you know your heritage it includes you know how you identify yourself know who you are and that is a powerful space and a place to be in when you know who you are 
that was my expectation out of everybody back in 2020. Right. I was like, you know, here's the perfect time for you to hit the reset button. I'm like, you're being forced to stay at home. Take time to see. That's why I call it session on the couch. That's when you have to take time to figure out who you are and who you identify as. What 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 do you want to see happen within your own personal life? What changes need to be made? What things need to be pushed out? And just you know, find out what you love about yourself. But a lot yes. of people didn't get that. No, I agree. I agree. It took me a little bit of time, you know. I had a I had a sister. She, you know, she she died, and um, when the pandemic hit, everyone was at home. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I went through a period myself where there was this space of like, what do I do? You know, I'm I'm home, and uh, you know, it was the lockdown right? We were locked down for a bit, and um, one of my friends called me, and she said, "You know what will make you happy?" I said, "What." what'll make me laugh. And she said, TikTok. I was like, really? <laughs> Let me yes. tell you the vein of my existence. This is now that everything's coming to haunt me, but listen, <laughs> it saved my life too. But no, um, it, it was, it was a period of, uh, you know, where, you know, I, I, I laughed and I enjoyed it. And, I, and there was this new spark of life of just, um, you know, getting outside of the depression of the pandemic and, um, you know, TikTok was sort of this um, relief for me to kind of enjoy and laugh and, and re-experience my art and share my art on a different platform. And um, and so 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 I just think it's just so important for us to know who we are and for us to be able to do the things that we need to do so that we can heal and so we can move forward, whatever that is. For me, it's art. Right. Art is my life. Art is, um, of course, I'm an academic. I am multi-degreed and have great ex- work experiences. But at the end of the day, I'm a grassroots person who loves the arts. I'm a down-home sister girl from the South. I'm from Houston, Texas. And I You're love all <laughs> deep south deep south <laughs> and i'm a southern girl right you know <laughs> you know um and you know and so i i uh i love the south and so but i mean <sighs> let me say this well i'm and sorry I first it. of all I'm i love it and i hate it let me i had to pause a little bit i love it and i hate it but thank you thank you for for so for, for that a lot of people don't 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 know about that but it's a big part of of uh, it of who I am and it shaped my fight for many different things. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I think it's so important for us to see the humanity in people, you know, even yeah. for example, a lot of the hate that I'm receiving now, um, over, like I said, you know, different, you know, my artistic expression. Um, it's interesting because. Now, what is your um, art for people that don't know what you do? Oh, I, I mean, you know, I, I've, I've done acting, um, off off Broadway acting. I've done. I, I was in a movie. I um, have done modeling. I um, have danced, and I dance uh, still. I um, do acting. Uh, uh, well, of course, I said that, but and um, I do painting. So I love uh, you know paint painting. I do murals. I do uh, acrylic on canvas, um, and 
that's pretty much it, you know, acting, modeling, dancing, um, you know, you know, my paintings and I do poetry. And so I perform my poetry as often as I can in my performances. Sometimes there's dance, sometimes there's just simple movement. Mm -hmm. Um, but, um, but I'm an artist, my heart, my life, my soul is all art. And so, um, I love to share my art and I call it my heart, right? Because H E, right. The last Mm -hmm. three letters is art. So I share my heart with the world when I share my art. Yeah. Right. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so I just, I, I love it. So it's, it's unfortunate though, cause you know, people are demonizing my creativity that I, I think is fun and quirky and, and creative and. Marty, well, hold on, pause. What do you mean they're demonizing your creativity? Um, um, well, I mean, that's, I think that. some people, I think some people don't get it. I mean, you see, you've seen recently what's, what's, what's happened and, and, um, you know, in, in, in the media where some people have decided to, you know, showcase some, some videos I've done on TikTok and use it, um, uh, and misrepresent what it is. And, and really it's me doing challenges that they don't understand. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or it's doing, um, you know, acting scenes that they think I'm not acting. They think it's me because it's, my voice or sometimes I'm doing a scene and mm-hmm. it's not my voice. <laughs> and so it's just a whole bunch of misrepresentation around the art that I do on, on, on TikTok. I do read my, my poetry. I, I do some cooking on there. I show a lot of my paintings and the process of my, my paintings. My house is an art gallery. It's beautiful uh, art everywhere. And uh, well, I think so. Right. I'm an artist. Right. So, but um, yeah, I, I share all like that stuff. <laughs> Yeah. Right. I share all of that, you know, and I think, you know, people have, um, you know, hateful people who, who, who don't choose to see, um, the art and the humanity and try to get to know me or try to, um, you know, get the bigger story. Uh, they decide to say that, Oh, well, you know, all of her experiences and work or, her education, her master's degrees, and her doctorate degree doesn't mean anything. They just relegate me to a TikTok video of me sharing my artistry. But here's the thing: I'm unapologetic about my art. Mm-hmm. You understand? I'm unapologetic about it. So no matter what they try to do, it doesn't phase me because it's my art. They don't appreciate it. That's fine. If they think it's corny and they don't like it and they try to make it look like I'm this horrible person. When, when, when I'm going to tell you I'm an educator, I am a teacher and I'm, I have a doctorate in education that's focused on multicultural, multilingual learning. I am committed to our children. So at the end of the day, my focus, Antonio, my focus is always on the children. How can we ensure that our children have the best experiences possible. And I'm an artist. So I like children who like the arts. So I have a bias around the arts. So I created a scholarship and my scholarship is called Dr. Therese Scholarship for the Arts. You can apply for it. And it's a you know scholarship that can help children who are interested in, in anything related to the arts. And that's Does it my help community. kids that's already in college? No, it's only for kids who are going to college and you apply um, 
to a school, to your university or your college um, or your trade school, whatever. And then um, you you can apply for the scholarship. Dr. Teresa, I need some help. My, you know, my son go to SCAD. I, I need all the help I can get. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'll send you. Well, well. <laughs> no, I'm just messing with you. <laughs> oh, that's funny. I'll send you the, the link. It's a small scholarship. No, no, I'm, I'm hoping. I'm hoping to get, you know, more support for my scholarship and, and to and be able to increase the amount. But right now, you know, it's. Oh, it's yeah, give it to start. me. I, um, you know, I'll push it out to my people too. <laughs> yeah, it's a good start. I'll send you the link. But it's, it's a good start. But it's mm-hmm. just, again, like to me, art. Art is life. It is. Art is life. And I think you can, you know, have all the degrees in academics and you could be the scientist and you could be all these great, wonderful things. But when you have an appreciation and when you experience the art, there is like no other experience than really walking into the beauty of, you know, seeing life in different colors and experiencing, um, life in a different way and you can do that through art through music through dance through theater through art through you know art through visual arts through you know architecture through you know um sculpture it's just amazing how you can kind of go into another world and just try to interpret and and, and therapy experience art yeah yeah art therapy art therapy is real certainly it's 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 therapy Absolutely. And we talked about this before, Antonio. We talked about like, okay, we were saying like, how do you get through this period? You know, all of this, you know, hate, how do, how do I manage? Well, you know, I'm a very spiritual person. So I manage because, you know, I, you know, I meditate and I'm very grounded in who I am and embracing who I am and not letting people define me. And I, I meditate on the power of my ancestors and the power of my people. And um, I um, understand that it, that's a part of, 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 of who I am. And so it, it's, it's like the battery, the energizer battery that keeps me going. But I also know that I'm so connected to nature when I go out on hikes or walking in the park or, you know, just being sitting outside and just feeling the sun or feeling the wind or, you know, seeing the trees and look at, you know, noticing the birds and, and gardening. And it's all of that is so such a wonderful experience for me to be in nature and to experience engaging with nature. Um, that's healing. I don't think people me. appreciate that though. Cause like, even, he, like, even with what I do, people always think that I'm always in front of a computer until I'm like, man, I like to get outside. I'm like, I like to get outside and get under the sun. I like to breathe some fresh air. I love hiking. I mean, you always catch me at Stone Mountain. Not now, because it's like 20 degrees outside. But um, you always catch me at, at Stone Mountain. I don't Mountain. do Stone Mountain, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's, you know. um, I mean, because I'm like you, I like getting out and and just, you know, getting connected with nature. Because then it helps you to refocus and channel back into yourself. If you go by yourself, channel back into yourself. Absolutely, absolutely. And art, too. Like, art is, to me... Um, you know, very therapeutic and mm-hmm. healing. And so I enjoy that a lot. Yeah, I find myself still missing because it runs in my family. Like my boys, you know, they were growing up. They had um, my oldest played the violin. We started with the viola. He played the violin. He plays the piano. My youngest plays 
the violin, French horn, and acoustic guitar. And then, of course, he's an artist, artist. He's a, he's a graphic designer, so he draws and stuff, too. I did. I played the piano for a little bit. I fell out of it. But then I used to sing at my old church, too. And I find myself still doing that every now and then. But it runs in my family. Like, my dad plays the bass guitar. Both of all of my uncles, they play, like, almost every instrument. But, yeah, it, it, it runs deep in my family. And I think it is... I think it's therapeutic because once you sit down and it doesn't have to be involved with music, it doesn't have to be involved with, with painting. Like now we have the content creators. So, you know, people can get, people that are talented can create content. And that's a way for you to like, again, to utilize all of your skills to create something brand new. And I think you find it fulfilling once you've gotten done with their process and you see what the end result is. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's great to hear you. You're, 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 you have artists in your family. So that's, it's beautiful. Uh, I think everyone should experience that balance of, of art. And so, and I, I hope, I hope that, you know, you know, uh, more people could have the opportunity to engage in arts, regardless of their background or their financial, you know, position, because some of this, the, the, the arts could be very expensive and, um, oh, yes. you know, so I just, I, my hope is that, you know, people can just experience, uh, the beauty and glory and, and art. And so I'm unapologetic about it. And I know some people don't understand it, but some people didn't understand Picasso. Right. They're like, what is, what the, what is this? But we know? talked about that last night. It's like people project. <laughs> yeah, squat. Some people didn't understand him. You know, there's, there's so many artists, uh, Frida Kahlo. And some people were like, what? They didn't get her art. They thought it was weird and strange because she has this rod going up her spine and she had monkeys in her painting. But it, there were, everything is symbolic. Art is, art is the connection to soul. And, and, and it's, it's just if people could just get a window and a taste of, of art in the way that I experience it and other people experience it, um, I, I, I think it's a beautiful thing. You know, art can connect us too, just like language can. It is a language. But you have to release yourself. It's like you have to get from from out of yourself to connect with something else and try to find their purpose of why they created what they created and the meaning behind it. Yes, yes. But here's the most powerful thing, though, is that's a part of it is why did you do what you did? But the other part of it is your interpretation of what they did. And then it's the conversation around, well, no, here's why I did it. You understand? And then, okay, well, you got this from it. Okay, I respect that. You know, so then there's this whole conversation around, you know, analyzing the art. And that's a fun thing because that's where you develop critical thinking skills too, right? You start to challenge one another and you start to, you know, you know, think about the research you read or think about, you know, you know, art history and other things. And you know, as you're analyzing the art, you're, you know, pulling from resources you've read and lessons you've learned. And, you know, and, and so it's, it's, uh, you know, you're now thinking critically about art. And, uh, and, and so I think, you know, like you said, you know, you can, yeah, say that here's what this means to me and you can explain your art but it's also beautiful to have an exchange around what what do you see and so when I when I have a painting or something I'll say oh what do you think about that painting and someone will say oh I think this and this and this and this 
And I was like, oh, that's interesting. I'll have an abstract painting, for example. And they're like, oh, I see a stingray. And I said, a stingray? <laughs> Where do you see a stingray at? There's no stingray. <laughs> that's not a stingray. Don't offend me. You know, because, you know, we artists, we're sensitive about our art. We are. Uh, y'all <laughs> it is y'all what really it is. are. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, it's not a stingray. That's a dang whatever. You know what I mean? And so that you know that happens but it's but that but that's a discussion point and it's really interesting because you know what art teaches you perspective Mm -hmm. so in art you learn perspective and just like anything else you can have a discussion about one topic and people can have different perspectives and you learn how to appreciate the different perspectives the key is it must be a safe space and a place mm-hmm. for people to feel like they can share their perspective that cannot happen in a hostile environment that cannot happen in an environment that is dangerous but progress can happen perspective sharing can happen in a space that's safe and in a space that um you know people feel like they're secure in sharing respectfully how they feel. And I, and I love that. Like I've learned so much from people who think differently than me. If you, if you speak, if you think the same way I think, that's okay. If you think the same way I think, but I learn a little bit, but I learn a lot when there's people that I, that don't agree with me or when there are people that have totally different experiences and backgrounds and they share something that's like, wow, that's powerful. Okay. I learned from you. Yeah. We've gotten away from conversation for more in depth to like yell at people. And I'm like, just let's just talk about it. Like, why do you think what you think? And I'll tell you why I think what I think. Maybe we can meet some middle ground or maybe we just agree to disagree. But it doesn't have to be that I'm enforcing my opinion on you and you enforcing your opinion upon me. Let's just talk about it because we might just come to a complete one of us might learn something from the other. Right. And that brings us to the mapping process. People have different perspectives about a map. Redistricting process about partisan, nonpartisan, whatever it is, whatever issue it is, we have different perspectives. We have different values. But I think it's important to say, I hear you. I disagree with you. I still respect you, but I disagree respectfully. And we move on. There's no need to have a, a, a um, to create further dissension and tension because you fundamentally disagree on a value after you've researched and studied and done all everything you could to learn as much as you can. But I also think it's important for us to hear because you never know what you can learn from the other person who disagrees with you. So it's important to hear, but it's also important to be informed and to be able to know that whatever decision you're making it is based on objective information It is based on data that's not just numbers, but data that's rooted in um, a myriad of different, um, you know, points, including data, including uh, anecdotal evidence, including um, 
in looking at the history and the background of certain issues to be able to understand the current situation, even looking into the future, looking at trends and understanding the trends currently, Mm -hmm. and then looking into the future. So in my opinion, futuristic thinking is critical when we're making decisions. So people typically make decisions on the current and the past. They look at trend lines and say, okay, the trend is this. And I get that because that's futuristic. But really, really thinking and valuing, thinking about and valuing futurism and futuristic thinking is, is, is going to be critical for us and the future of, of America is thinking ahead, planning ahead and preparing our children so that they can be globally competitive because we thought about the future. And we're preparing our children for the future. Yeah, it doesn't need to be a small group of people. Like everybody needs an opportunity. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, uh, Antonio. So as we wind down, because I don't want to hold you. <laughs> it's fine. It's nice on the couch conversation with you. you know? <laughs> I'm so comfortable. It's like just a cool space to be able to just... Uh, you know, connect and, 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 and hopefully, um, people who are listening to this could, you know, see my humanity and could get a little bit of taste of, of who we are as people, you, Antonio, and other stories you shared. And you talked about, you know, your children and your family and your ex, you know, wife and all of this thing. This is part of your story too. And I think it's a beautiful opportunity for people to, to, to hear you in a different way. And, and I know you've done these interviews quite often and um, this is just one of many, but you know, this was unique. I mean, it's because typically I have like a, um, a therapist on or somebody that deals with like mental health. <laughs> but this one I wanted to, because I mean, the, the environment that you work in, it's good to hear people hear your side of things. And like you, like I always say, people need to see that you're a human as well, too. And not just Absolutely. somebody that's on a school board or whatever. Because right. I don't I understand to... why anybody would have any issue with you in your arts. I mean, I think arts are a beautiful thing. Creating oh, they... something is great. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, you know, they do, they do. But it's, it's, you know, it's okay. I, I, I gotta, I gotta I st- like I said, I have to stay focused on the children. But I also have to know that I know who I am, and I know that I'm an artist, and I love the arts, and no one can take me away from my art because they're trying to demonize and define me to be something else than other than my art and my expression and my creative courage. So creative courage is critical. CCC, we must have creative courage. That is critical. So um, I lead with that. I learn with that. I live with that. So I understand sometimes with courage, um, can there can be some consequences for people who don't understand your creative courage, and and what I'm experiencing now is a is a part of that. But um, I'm grounded in knowing who I am. I have a good support system, um, and I think support system is very important. But I also think um, self healing um, is also very important. Self love and doing things that you need to do to. Um, make sure that you're managing, you know, your health, your, you know, physical, emotional, social, psychological health. Mm-hmm. Um, but Antonio, my, my ex-husband is a psychologist. So I know a lot about psychology by osmosis, right? Um, 
but he, he's a, he's a, uh, um, you know, a, a therapist. I would love to connect you all. He uh, specializes in, um, you know, working with, you know, people who, you know, have trauma in their background and, you know, uh, absence uh, from, from family members or, you know, parents in their lives. And, um, and it's, and it's, I've learned so much from, him as a psychologist um, um so i would love to connect you two yeah, and, I love that. Um, yeah but you know I, I will i'll share with you my story you know one day about about my sister and my fight for social emotional learning it's personal it's not rhetoric it's not political it's nothing that i do is political honestly i don't like politics i hate politics i don't either I got to do it because I got to work within the system, but we need to reimagine what politics looks like. Anybody challenging somebody who says they don't like politics, run away from them far away. Don't ever vote for them. That's not cool. You know, anybody challenging an advocate, an activist, an organizer and telling them that they shouldn't be who they are as an activist for the community. Mm-hmm. That you need to be a politician or an activist, run away. They should never be elected in office. I think it's important for you know us to understand the value of the people. And there is nothing like being a grassroots person, walking and marching and and working and in, in, in with the people and understanding the voices of the people, but not just leading them, but being with them. Mm -hmm. Capital B-E-I-N-G. Being with them and seeing them. Capital S-E-E-I-N-G. That's the power we need to be as politicians. Mm -hmm. That's how we should reimagine quote-unquote politics. It's understanding uh... the power of the people truly, not just saying it, not just hashtagging it, not just, you know, it's not about you. Like even with this board seat, Antonio, this board seat is not about me or for me. And I said this in my speech when I, you know, closed the first meeting was that this is really about the people, the people's position. That's what this is about. Power to the people. What do you need me to do to represent you? What do you need me to do? I always ask that question to the people to the people in particular in District 5, but to the people beyond District 5 where I live, you know? Yeah, that's my biggest, that's my slogan. My slogan is real leadership brings about true change. Because I was like, a real leader is not somebody that's always that's dictating and leading from the, the front. They're they leading from the front, but they're also walking in line with you. So whatever they're asking you to do, they've already done it, and they're still in, in the process of helping you out. A lot of people don't understand what that is. Absolutely. Even in my I'm, race, I'm like, nothing that yeah. I do, or even in conversation, I talk about this is getting politics, talking about candidates or anybody else. It's not even a reference to me because I'm not that selfish of a person just to focus entirely on me. I'm like, look at other people that's out there that's trying to make a change within a community that has a passion for helping people out and that's not selfishly trying to do something just to, you know, up their status to a different point. Because right now, if you look across the board, everybody's suffering. Everybody's suffering. And the only thing they need is somebody that's willing to come back to help them out. 
That's right. It's in a lot of it right now. Uh-huh. You're correct. So I'm gonna leave you, I'm gonna let you get a, a final thought. So what I ask of my guests, if you listen to the whole episode of any of my other shows, is because you've been dropping nuggets here and there. So it was good talking. <laughs> it really is good talking to <laughs> you. This ain't gonna be the last time either. But um, yeah, leave it with a, a, a word of encouragement to the listeners. And then tell people how they can, since you're talking about you on TikTok, how people can get in touch with you and look at some of your artistic things. <laughs> okay. Um, well, I want to, my final thought is this, is I want our children, our students to understand that they are beautiful beings and we see them. I want our students to know that it is important to use your voices especially if you're in, you know, um, you know, public or private school, whatever system you're in, use your voices and talk about your experiences, provide feedback to your administration, to your school board, to your principal, be courageous in advocating for yourself. Because at the end of the day, we adults, school leaders, we are there to serve the students and to ensure that our students are successful and our students are indeed the future. They will make America beautiful for everyone. They will make our world a more united world. When we educate our children in the way they need to be educated, but we must listen to them and get their feedback around their experiences and academically, socially, emotionally. Let's talk about, um, you know, the curriculum with our students. Let's talk about, you know, uh, programming and, and uh, you know, after school activities with our students. Let's talk about sports with our students. Let's talk about how our students feel about bullying, about harassment, about all these things in the school. Let's have bold and courageous conversations with our students so that they can help us help them, so that our students can help us make the world a better place. We can't do it without our students. And so that's my final thought. And, you know, our teachers, obviously, and our parents are very, very important in this process of learning, of growing, and of also meeting the needs of our students. So, so, um, you know, we need to continue to engage our teachers and our parents and our staff to help us be better and help us do better as leaders. So I encourage people to please contact me at Therese, T-A-R-E-C-E dot Johnson, J-O-H-N-S-O-N at gcpsk12.org. Send me an email. You can also contact me at or all of our school board members, which I think is a better idea when you contact all of us, all five of us. You can contact us at myschoolboard at gcpsk12.org. That one email address will come to all five school board members and we will hear your voice. Your voice matters. Coming to the school board meetings is great. We encourage you to come to our school board meetings. Sign up to speak at our school board meetings, but the slots are limited. So what I would say is the most impactful way that you can reach us 
it's also via our email address at myschoolboard at gcpsk12.org. Um, and so the other part of, on, a, on a personal note is um, I am an artist. I'm a poet. Uh, I have books on Amazon. Um, I have a TikTok account that really uh, it's, uh, it's Therese Johnson, Dr. Therese. It uh, explores my uh, um, art and it shares, you know, it shows my humanity. I'm a person. I'm a I'm a mother. I have kids, and I'm an artist, and I have fun, and I like to dance, and I like to sing, and I like to act, and I like to do my painting. I like to cook, and you'll see a little bit of everything on my, you know, t- TikTok. But what it does is it shows my humanity. I'm a person just like you are, living my life and having fun and being quirky and corny and all of those things. Just just you know. Uh, you know, exploring my creativity courageously. And that's what I do. And so that's it. Thank you so much, Antonio, for this opportunity. Um, I appreciate you. I appreciate your leadership, your boldness. I appreciate you being a brave person um, who who's making a difference. And so uh, whatever I can do to support you and your efforts, please let me know. And uh, But I'm so honored for this opportunity uh, to share my voice and I appreciate you. Oh, thank you. I mean, like I said, I, I appreciate you for accepting the invite. Cause I mean, it is, we, I think we need to see more of our um, elected officials and see them for who they are, which is why I created this platform is never really to get down about politics. I mean, I ask a question here and there, or I may, you know, throw a little quirk in to talk about things that's, that's going on in the world, but no, it's, I want people to see the human side of folks, people that's, because I think if, if you can see somebody that's, in office and you can see themselves in you, then you can see yourself potentially getting there to make a change within your own community. So no, thank thank you for coming on. My final thought, something I always talk about is that, you know, I said, tell people to always be you, be you um, unapologetically, as long as it's not any harm to anybody else, but never let anybody change you for who you are and change any opinion that you have about yourself. Love you and continue loving you to move forward because that's the only way you can progress in life. And that's the only way you can even bring love into your life. You have to love you first and find out what you like about yourself before you bring anybody else into your own world. You can find me on ptgtv.online. You can also tune in every Tuesday at six o'clock and I'll potentially add on another segment at 6 p.m. on atltalks.com. It's also on iHeartRadio. So it's atltalks.com at six o'clock for my other show, Keeping It Real Politically, where we talk about politics, but it's generally about, because everything involves and encompasses politics. So it's, it's, it's personal life, your, your family matters, or even elected officials. So that's every Tuesday at six o'clock. So thank you again, Dr. Therese. And continue and keep your head up. Continue doing what you're doing. Don't let anybody discourage you in what you do, because I appreciate you for what you're doing and the boldness that you have. Some of my boldness, the boldness that you have for being who you are, not allowing them or anyone to change you and what your objective is and what you're trying to do to help the people out, especially helping our children out. So absolutely. Thank you so much for the honor. And we have to stay focused on our children. All of this mm-hmm. other stuff is meaningless. Right. What's meaningful is ensuring a great, beautiful future for all of our children, regardless of race, gender, class, culture, background, economic status. It's ensuring that each and every child has what they need to be successful. And that is the work of equity. 
So thank you again. Love everybody for uh, tuning in. Happy podcast. Good night. Bye.